0: Breeders' Cup time! Welcome everyone to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi, episode 28. You heard it. We are solely chatting Breeders' Cup on this show. This week's guest, I don't need to give her an elaborate introduction because you have heard her before on these airwaves. Incredibly knowledgeable, does not hold back, covers all angles and it's just such a pleasure to talk to quite funny too you can tell we had a blast recording this it is of course vanessa Binny Rao, sky sports racing presenter and producer in the united kingdom what has been going on at the in the money media network well lots we are taking a massive swing at the breeders cup as we ought to an entire week of shows are coming up to you. We have you covered for the two Breeders Cup days. So subscribe so you don't miss any of it. We are on all podcast providers. The majority of us are on Apple Podcasts, but then... I actually had to go and find my podcast on Spotify because my friend said that he listens on there. So, yep, we're on Spotify too. Um, Google Play, I think that's where you go for your podcast. Anywhere that you can get your podcast, we are on it. Without further ado, let's go to our guest. Vanessa binnie Rao, joins me once again this time to talk about the Euros at the Breeders' Cup coming up in, what, about four days, Vanessa? Uh, I know you won't be coming over, but are you excited to watch all the action? Yeah,
1: I mean, I can't believe it's already upon us, to be honest with you. In such like an exceptional, strange year, it seems to, the year still seems to have flown by, bizarrely. And, yeah, you know, 1st of November the other day, and I just couldn't believe it. But anyway, here we are, like you say, just a few days away, and it's a huge week for international racing. So, of course, we've got the Melbourne Cup, and then the Readers' Cup, and... For me, the Breeders' Cup, it's always said that it's like the Ryder Cup, isn't it? And it's kind of the Euros versus the Americans. Now, I know you have to sit on the fence, Naomi, because you're now a mixture of both. (laughs) But I'm obviously (laughs) very much Team Europe, and I think we have a really strong challenge. We're going to rattle through everyone bit by bit and hopefully fill you in on some interesting snippets. But I think we do have a strong contingent going over this year.
0: I second that. We have some wonderful horses going over. And you say, I have to be on the fence. Well, well, I'm going to say if a Euro wins, I'm going to be quite happy. <laughs> yeah, great.
1: Good woman. Good woman. We like that.
0: <laughs> I mean, n- n- never forget where you um, came from, right? I started out in horse racing in England. So I will always kind of be a little bit English in that perspective. Always a Euro. Always a Euro. Forward. So let's get started. Uh, race six, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. We have a nice couple of horses going in here. Let's start with the O'Brien entry in Lipisana. Yeah, very interesting,
1: but definitely for the Euros, we're gonna. I think it's fair to say we start low key and we'll we'll pick it up towards the end of the meeting. Um, <laughs> Lipisana is an interesting horse. Yeah, been being well tried. Uh, seven runs and in good company as well, but is basically a listed level winner. Um, just the two wins from those seven starts. Uh, hes They've clearly thought a fair bit of him as he's been well enough sort of touted in the past and he's run good races at the highest level. But um, his maiden win came over the five furlongs, but his listed win came over the six furlongs. And it was on heavy ground up at Doncaster, where it was very, very wet that day. In the north of England, they had a deluge of rain, really tough conditions. So I'm not sure that that sort of form would be what you'd want to carry into a race like this and my main worry to be honest with you is just simply would he have enough speed to compete with some of those american rivals and he'll have to improve so not particularly an inspiring start for the aiden o'brien runners and i won't be with lipizzana
0: yeah one of one of my worries with him as well that he might just end up getting run off his feet when the gates open five and a half furlong on the turf they all have superb gate speed he's okay out of the gate but I wouldn't say he's a world beater out of it so definitely agree with you on that one now we also have Archie Watson sending out the mighty Gurkha now Archie's had two Breeders Cup runners before and now trying it again with the mighty Gurkha who does can get out of the gate quite quickly to be honest and it seems that this distance suits him very well yeah so
1: the mighty gurkha is a really interesting horse um i suppose the main storyline here actually is the fact that holly Doyle is going to be riding mighty gurkha for archie watson uh, they're a fantastic jockey trainer combination over here. Have a lot of juvenile success across the board, up and down the country. But the big talking point is that Holly is picking up the ride. She's had a record-breaking year over here. She smashed her own record of winners ridden in a calendar year by a female jockey. She set it last year, I think it was one one seven, and she smashed it this year with months to go. She obviously had her first Royal Ascot winner with Scarlet Dragon, followed by her first Group One winner with. Glenn Shield. I mean, if there is a woman, well, no, God, I was about to say if there's a woman jockey riding at the top of the game, it's her. If there's a jockey riding at the top of the game right now coming over from the UK, it's actually her. She's riding on such a high wave at the moment, the crest of a wave at the moment. And it's just brilliant that she's picked up this ride. So I'm delighted for her that we will see her over uh, in Keenan. That's just so cool for me. She's a real for me, she's actually, when she when she won the Group 1 on, on Glenshield on British Champions Day, I tweeted saying that she is just like, I couldn't name a better uh, role model in sport, I don't think. Holly Doyle, she just, from the age of 16, gets up, goes to work, works hard, relentlessly hard, improves, eats, sleeps, repeats, day in, day out, and now she's riding Group 1 winners. It's a just fabulous story for... A hard working mentality. So that's your little gambit on Holly Doyle. <laughs> as for the Mighty Gurkha, <laughs> um, actually has a direct form line with Lipizana as last time out was beaten a very long way by a horse called Just Frank at Newmarket. And that's the same horse who finished second to Lipizana at Doncaster. Now, I don't think you can take that form literally as Mighty Gurkha was like far too bad to be true that day. um 11 lengths off the winner and sent off a 92 favourite. 92 favorite, and he had a penalty to carry because of his Group 3 win the previous start, and he was carried across the track due to a hanging rival. So I think we could ignore that last time out form, basically. And then in his other races, he's shown splatterings of promise for a race like this, to be honest with you. That Kempton Group 3 and the Deauville Group 2 all showed that he has a serious speed engine. Um, the Group 2 race at Deauville is actually where, if you if anyone cared to watch that back he holly was riding him that day and something happened in the stalls and i don't know it's so unlike holly and i'm not sure it was actually her fault i think it was the stalls handler's fault but basically his hood didn't come off in time so he completely missed the break by maybe five or six lengths and he still traveled like he still ran a decent race despite the fact he was left stood still whilst the horses had jumped six lengths maybe um so I think he's a horse who probably has the speed for a race like this, and like you say, he can jump out the stalls well enough when the hood comes off in time. Um, but I, I'm, it's a little bit on repeat. But as is the case with these sprinting races up against the Americans, I'm he's not he's not mighty Gurkha hasn't shown himself to be top class thus far, and he's going to have to improve on what he's done. And it's a big stage to be improving. And for me, I think there'll be something with a faster turn of foot than him.
0: Yeah, going up against some of the Wesley Ward-trained speedballs that <laughs> always get out of the gate and, and run all of us off our feet when they come to Royal Ascot. Now, another horse for a trainer that is having his first Breeders' Cup runner. We quickly discussed it before he went on air because it's just wonderful. Nigel Tinkler is taking over. You better believe it. Uh, one last time out in the Flying children's which, of course, wonderful, on good ground, five furlong. Didn't really get out of the gate there though, but accelerated really strongly late.
1: Yeah, so again, like this is really the race of the European fairy tale stories because obviously the Holly Doyle angle we just discussed, and then you better believe it's just from this very small yard in the north of England in Yorkshire. Um, Nigel Tinkler, like you said, Naomi, um, a real character of the game, a real shrewdie. Wouldn't be a trainer you'd see with his name in race cards at the very highest level that regularly, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, just a, a real fairy tale story. And you better believe it's ridden by Rowan Scott, who only recently got his professional license. He's only had two rides in group races. One of them was on this horse when he won at Doncaster at a huge price in the Flying Childers and he is basically, Rowan Scott's just completely gobsmacked to keep the ride on the horse. It's been in the news this week, um, or this past week. Yeah, just he is literally over the moon, but he can't believe it, and he will categorically be the least experienced (laughs) jockey riding at the Breeders' Cup this year. (laughs) So it's a great story, and in terms of you better believe its form, he would actually be my European pick in this race. Um, That Flying Childers win, he definitely won with a little bit in hand for me. He's quite a professional individual. He relishes the quick ground. Um, He's never raced around the bend, so that's going to be a different test for him. He's a horse who will be held up because that's his running style. Um, And as a result, we know there can be hard luck stories, of course, the can on the night. And so I guess the big thing with him will be that he gets a clear run because he will be out the back turning in, I would imagine. and then his other runs away from that Flying Childers victory had been pretty solid. The time before at York, where he's beaten 30 lengths, clearly that wasn't his real running. Like he came out and won at group two next time out. And so I think it's fair to say that day that was in a big sales race. Things just didn't go to plan for him. Uh sorry, that was in the gym crack and things just didn't go to plan for him. And I think we can put a line through that. And prior to that, he was just on he's just been on the improve all season. Nice novice win, then a listed win. And then comes into this off the back of a group too. And he's, yeah, I like, I like him. I don't, he, if I had to have a European pick, he'd be my pick. But do I think the Europeans are going to win this race? I don't think so. Is that okay to say?
0: Yeah, I have to yeah, I have to agree with you there. Although interesting enough, because my pick wouldn't be you better believe it, I would go with the Mighty well mighty Gurkha based on the fact that in his debut he went left-handed and he was actually accelerating around the bend. That makes me think that maybe he can be quite comfortable going around those tight Keeneland bends and still keep his speed and maybe even make up some ground whilst going around there. But let's move on to Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, because otherwise we're going to be here for hours and hours to come. Now, we have a really, really strong contingent going off for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Nearly, safe to say, this will be one of the races that I'm hoping the Euros are going to win. The first one coming up here would be Battleground. Of course, first fall out of found, the Breeders' Cup Turf winner. It seems that stretching out to a mile is exactly what he wants to do based on pedigree
1: yeah um like you say really strong representatives and the Euros have a great record in this race 13 runnings of it and eight european winners with seven european entries this year all come in with different form lines and yeah huge chances throughout basically in battleground i love this horse i love him i just i don't know if he, he'll win this race but as a horse, he's one of my favourite two-year-olds in training right now. Um, he's two from three so far. He's beautifully bred by Warfront and out of Found. Who? How could you not love her? She was just so brilliant. Um, and he's like, he's a big, big individual, but super classy. He's kind of like I would describe him as a sort of Porsche four by four. Like he's he's not a sports car. He's got more substance about him, but he's still of the highest, highest class level. Um, And I just love the way he goes about it, his willingness to win. He has a real head-down attitude. It's very, very like his mother in Found, who obviously also won the Breeders' Cups. There's a terrific sort of storyline there. And, um, yeah, look, he'll be stepping up to the mile for the first time in this, and that looks ideal for him. All of his winning has been done so far over the seven furlongs, but the trip would absolutely not be a worry on his breathing. And he's a genuine Guineas contender over here for next year for us, So for that reason, uh, the mile not worried and he missed the national stakes, uh, which was the sort of intended autumn target uh, because they pulled him out because the ground was too soft that day over in Ireland. Um, And so this is, I guess, his sort of second end of season target. And he is a little inexperienced compared to a few in here. But... And, and as a result of missing that national stakes, we haven't seen him since Goodwood, but that wouldn't worry me. Um, I think he'll be able to cope with Keeneland. He's a big, powerful, scopy individual and he has a high cruising speed and he coped with a track like Goodwood, which I know is completely different and completely, but all the, the three races he's run have been on completely differing tracks and he's still been very consistent. Um, for me, I hope he wins do I think he will, I'm not so sure about, but win, lose, or draw, he's a horse to seriously to keep in the notebooks for next season as a three year old over here. So yeah, looking forward to seeing him. I think it's fair to say. <laughs>
0: agree with you we were all watching back at belmont when he won the chesham stakes at ascot and i was going guys guys this is the first fall out of And all of a sudden everyone was interested so yeah wonderful horse can't wait to see him in the flesh i've never seen him before myself yet so really really excited to see him let me know Uh, what you think of him
1: as in like i've described him now as a sort of four by four Porsche, but i might be exaggerating (laughs) it but i think you'll know what i mean um so yeah let me know
0: (laughs) Uh, I'll go back Vanessa he looks like a cart horse no (laughs) yeah Yeah. highly doubt that with his breeding and his preparation his trainer that he would look anything less than a superstar Uh, Cadillac Jessica Harrington has two juveniles coming up this year I feel like he's a big player I mean two back thrashed the great one a group one excuse me i'm still doing this yeah. group one criterion winner van go when he won the um champions juvenile stakes at Leperstown. he accelerated there whilst being close to the pace i, I really like him. last run in the duos just seemed like he got a little bit stuck in the ground really
1: yeah, I think that's pretty much sums it up, actually. There's a quote from Jessie Harrington where she said, he just got stuck in the mud in the Dewhurst and I should have been very grown up and taken him out, but it's a very hard thing to do when you're over there and it's a group one. I love that as a quote just because it kind of... Sums up how we all feel like when an opportunity is right there and it might not be perfect, but you just can't resist trying. Um, so yeah, it's good to know that Jesse, even a legend like Jesse Harrington, can't resist the temptation of a group one and that sort of high level race. But uh, yeah, brings in a serious level of form with that Van Gogh form. And uh, I mean, that was only a group two, but it was over a mile, so he has the credentials already in, in the bag to win a race like this, and basically. I think the soft ground at Newmarket just completely didn't suit him. And that's backed up by trainer and jockey comments afterwards. So he'd actually be one that really suits, uh, that really interested me in this race. I think he's going to appreciate being back on a solid surface and the mile trip. And he might come in here just a touch uh, I don't know whether the word is overpriced, but maybe, you know, people look at that last time out form and make a judgment on it. Whereas I'm happy to kind of go back a few runs and look a bit deeper for him.
0: I'd love to get a good price on Cadillac. As we move on to two juveniles coming in for Rafe Beckett, he has Devil Wilder and New Mandate. How do you feel they're stacking up stacking up against this field and possibly against each other? they very different horses.
1: Yeah, very different horses. Another nice jockey story with Devil Wilder being ridden by Ross O'Ryan, who was recently um, interviewed on Luck on Sunday with Nick Luck uh, this week. Just being just a really brilliant jockey, great guy, hardworking individual. And it's a credit to the owners of Devil Waller that they've kept Ross O'Ryan on Devil Wilder for this um, like big stage challenge, basically. And he's absolutely delighted. So I love that, you know, all these jockeys we're naming so far. Um, Holly, Rowan Scott and Ross Orion, you know, terrific that people are putting them up, trusting them on their horses and saying, you know, go get them against the best in the world. So Ross Orion, Devil Wilder needs to step up basically solid in good races, but needs to step up form wise and the story there really is Ross Orion, but new mandate is an interesting one. A gelding, they gelded him and comes here off the back of three wins now on the bounce. Progressive and developing all the time. The last of those efforts was over the new market, Newmarket and the Royal Lodge um, and subsequent group one winner, Gear Up actually finished behind him that day. So really solid form. Uh, of course, he needs to step up again, new mandate on what we've seen of him in the Royal, Royal Lodge. But the comments... And the betting patterns for me in that race in the Royal Lodge suggest that he's improving enough at home for them to warrant these lofty entries and aspirations. The analysis after the Royal Lodge actually on, their, right, on the Racing Post uh, analysis page read, he was notably strong in the betting on this occasion, despite stepping up in grade and justified that confidence with arguably a bit more in hand than the bare form suggests. He's by New Bay and it's likely goodish ground will be ideal for him. And I think that pretty much sums it up. For me, he must be showing them plenty at home. Keep stepping him up. He keeps improving. And now they're flying him over to America. And I think he's got a huge chance really on good ground.
0: What is he like as a character? I don't know if you would have noticed this or not, but I saw some reports that people were saying he can get a tad keen and it's sort of like hoping that he doesn't throw it away early.
1: Yeah, I think there is there is that question, Mark. I think he's getting better, though. You know, he's, you can, even, oh, sorry, even by looking at his form runs, uh, just looking at his last three wins, he's, you know, they're learning and developing all the time. And I'd be reluctant to put a sort of tricky tag on him too much at this stage because it hasn't stopped him thus far. Um of course, it might be a bit of a concern, but it's not a major one for him, for me at the moment with him and his attitude.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to Go Atletico, trained by Philippe Descoux. Uh, trains close to Lyon at a training center called chazis sur Anne, if I said it all <laughs> correctly. A horse that ran really, really well in the Criterium de maison de and won the Prix La Rochette, beating Silouet, who's re-opposing here there and the race before that and Silouet actually went back and won the Qatar Prix Jean-Luc Lagadère albeit on heavy ground but he's a very interesting horse and the reason he wasn't in the Lagadère is because he's a gelding and they don't allow uh, two-year-old geldings to run in the Lagadère so this is a, a sort of an interesting horse coming in here
1: Yeah, definitely has an interesting profile and it's the Silouet form that really sort of pricked my ears, so to speak. Um, Because for me, Silouet is the most impressive European winner of a two-year-old race so far. That pre-Jean-Luc Lagardère run, obviously there was no Aidan O'Brien runners because of the feed issue over Art weekend, so the field was much depleted. But the win was so impressive. He was a wide margin winner on soft ground, and he was pulling clear of them at the line. I guess... I guess you can pick holes in the form, in the Jean-Luc Lagardère form, because of No Aid O'Brien no Brian runners and the ground. And naturally, when there's a big margin, huge margin, winner of a Group 1 like that, people say, well, is it real form? Can we blame the ground? Or did horses not run up to scratch? Or was it a low-grade Group 1? But the fact of the matter is, is that the time really stacks up for Silouet's Jean-Luc Lagardère win. Um, the sectionals were good and the finishing splits were good. And I was really impressed. And I guess the question for Silouet is, does he need really testing French ground to perform? And is that form transferable to the Keeneland track? Um, pff, trainers first go to Breeders' Cup, it'd be a great story, but that's the big question mark there. And I guess if you fancy Silouet, then you can't not really fancy go Atletico on the basis that, beat him by a solid length only two starts ago so yeah. I, that French form I'm finding it hard personally to that some of I'm finding it sort of patchy and a little bit hard to assess to be honest with you and then the question mark about is it transferable to Keeneland given that these two-year-olds have been doing a lot they're running on a very wet surface this year over in France so it's kind of question marks over the French for me
0: yeah, no, I'm with you there. I actually was kind of ready to dismiss Sealaway a little bit because it was on such heavy ground. Now, he's by Galloway, who won on soft ground as a three-year-old elicitor and then won as a two-year-old on soft ground as well. So his sire absolutely loves soft going. So I feel like he just got all the conditions right. And as you mentioned, no Aidan O'Brien opposition. Yeah, I'm I'm... Skeptical as well, especially because looking at the European contingent here, there are a couple of really high-class horses coming over. So, you know, seal away, go athletic, go in my books, have to step it up. Quite big, big lead to like, no, oh, that's not correct English. Have to step it up to to be competitive here. Uh, let's move on to the learjet Michael Bell. I do believe that's his first British Cup runner, right? Is that right? Yes, it is. You're right. It is, right? Yeah. Which
1: is amazing. It makes me think, really? Have we got that right? But you're right. It is. Yeah. Which is, yeah, kind of staggering. But as for the Learjet, um, another horse that's confusing me a little bit. Like, I loved him at Ascot. When he beat Golden Pal over the five furlongs at Ascot, I thought that was just such a terrific run from a two-year-old. The way that Golden Pal had gone to win the race and had basically put the race to bed, and Ashley Murphy in the Learjet just never gave up, chased him down and got up on the line to win by a neck. It was a brilliant ride, but actually I think the credit should have gone to the horse there. He was just so tenacious, wanted it, just... Really savage at the finish, and I love that about him, and so I left Royal Ascot really thinking he was a horse for the future, and he's got this great story because he was this terrific result for um he was he was a breeze up horse. And, he was brought to breeze and then he did a terrific time and then he won his Yarmouth maiden beating the track record and then Qatar racing came in and brought him. So he's been a sort of terrific profit story for connections the whole way through. And then he did that at Royal Ascot. So what a story, uh, you know, for for, for Qatar Racing, who brought him, spent a lot of money on him for them to, to, him then to win a group two at Royal Ascot was huge. And then ever since, of course, we've seen him slightly disappoint over in three different countries. We've seen him disappoint in the pre Robert Papan at, at Shanti and then over at the Curra um, in the Phoenix Stakes and then back at Newmarket again in the Jubmont Middle Park. So when I say he's disappointed, he hasn't, you know, the Shanti run maybe came, maybe he was. That was a funny finish when Ventura Tormenta beat him that day. Um, But then he was definitely disappointing at the current and then he was definitely disappointing at Newmarket. And I'm running out of reason, like finding excuses for him. Um, And I just, I want to see him back something near, like his ascot form. But of course, this is such a different challenge for him. He's stepping up in trips so markedly. He's won a sprinting group two over five furlongs. We've seen them over six and now they've thrown him in over a mile. But and so it's like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. But at the same time, you can't help but feel that a horse with those sort of connections would be coming over here just just to have a run. You know, I think they'll have thought about it, (laughs) obviously. And I just think for that reason, he is really interesting in this. But I can't honestly say, I can't sit here and say like a can about Battleground that I think he'll really relish the step up to a mile because I'm not sure he will. But they've got him in here and it has to
0: be for a reason. Yeah, I was actually looking at his Middle Park 6 run and to me he was very, very soundly beaten there and he was changing leads late and he looked unbalanced, unfurnished to me. So I wasn't that impressed with that run either. So yeah, unfortunately I'm probably not going to be on the Learjet bandwagon myself. It's
1: so myself. funny that like, he, he, you know, you say that, that he, and it's a fair assessment about him being unbalanced and unfurnished and everything, but it's just like, and then I, I just keep going back to that Royal Ascot success where he was just so professional and cool. <laughs> if that's the way to describe a horse, basically. So, I don't know. He really needs to bounce back and the mile really needs to bring out some sort of spark back to him. I don't know if it will,
0: but it's bloody interesting that he's in here. From all the European runners in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, who would take your fancy most? Is that Battleground who you absolutely love? Uh,
1: Heart says Battleground. Head says New Mandate. Ooh. Yeah interesting i know i might might be a lot I, I could have three bets in this race i could back battleground for my heart i could back cadillac for all the reasons we've mentioned and i could back new mandate just because i think he's a very interesting contender in here uh so yeah sorry i mean if that's not something on the fence i don't know what it's <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, but yeah, I just I don't know. I I I kind of I guess the, the gra- ground will. Um, I'll be interested ground to see what you know what they're actually racing on come Friday properly. And I think more comments and market moves will probably settle me one way or another. I obviously will not have three. I won't back three horses in this race,
0: but
1: <laughs> um, yeah, those would be my top three, and then I will be whittling that down.
0: i'll put in my my two cents saying i love cadillac so definitely we'll be seeing how they all look on on course and how the track is shaping up but my my fancy right now or my sort of i'm leaning towards the jessica Harrington juvenile let's go to the british cup juvenile philly's turf over a mile a million up for grabs we have to be four euros in here Uh, well Kick things off with Miss Amulet for Ken Condon. I find her incredibly intriguing. Definitely a horse that has kind of taken my my fancy a fair bit here. Uh, how do you rank? I think she has the early speed as well that you need to be competitive.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, trained by Ken Condon, who is a real sort of feel good Irish story. Get well, not really a feel good Irish story. He's had good horses for uh, the last few years, Ken Condon, but he's one of the nicest guys around runs a really nice training operation on the Curra, Um and is I've been there actually to do a feature on their top class miler Romanized a few years ago won the 2000 guineas three years ago now but um, anyway yeah, I went to there to go do a feature and I was just so impressed with like Ken's trade the way Ken trains and the yard and the setup and yeah there was lots like uh, he's definitely he's I wouldn't you know He's not a trainer who's on the up because he's already reached the up, but he is one of my sort of preferred, lesser known trainers, you might say, um, that would have runners over in the Breeders' Cup, I'm saying. And then in terms of Miss Amulet, the definitely the best of the Europeans in this race, comes there off the back of a really good second last time out in a Group One, um, and has been very progressive all season, from maiden to listed level, then Group Two level, and now Group one class last time out um has been running more at the str- sprint trips though and has for me I she does have the speed for this she doesn't to take on as in she does you know she's gonna have to take on a horse like campanelle who i presume is Campanell favorite i haven't actually got the betting up here right now she favorite for this?
0: I haven't got it up either, but I'm assuming she will be favorite coming in from. No, actually, no, we're looking at on Pearl. On Pearl, Brad Cox's uh, feeling yeah. most likely will end up being favorite, I do believe. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, both those horses are far naturally faster horses than Miss Amulet, I would say. But Miss Amulet's been running its sprint trips, and this will be a big step up to the mile for her. She was last seen over the six furlongs. That was on good ground. That was behind Alcohol Free at Newmarket. And that was for me a pretty good run because she stayed on that day. And that suggested to me she stayed on coming up out the dip. She definitely wasn't backing away from the distance. And I think, I think the mile will be within her reach. Whether I think, whether I don't know if it's going to be her preferred trip, but I think it will be within her reach, judged on that last time out Newmarket run behind alcohol-free. If you watch that back, she's staying on at the line well enough. Um, so I can see how she's the preferred choice of the European runners in here. And also based on the fact this wouldn't be a, an event we've got a really strong handle in, I don't think.
0: Yeah. Well, I like Mother Earth a little bit, but I was listening to Nick Luck talking with PTF about the Euros and he kind of shied away from her. Are you skeptical as well? I am a bit, actually. She's
1: a funny one because her campaign suggests that she's always been quite near the top of the pack of the Ballydoyle horses um, at this sort of like seven furlong mile trip. She's been well tried and she brings in that shale pretty gorgeous form, which is about the best form, the best form line available in Europe in this category of race. Um, but she was third last time out in the Phillies Mile at Newmarket behind Pretty Gorgeous. And I don't know if this will be to her liking for a start. This, uh, And I, I'm just a bit uninspired by her, actually. I think that might be the best way to sum it up. I think she's been well tried. The fact they keep throwing her in in these good races, for me means yeah she must be quite high up the Coolmore pecking order but she's yet to really pull it out the bag and in a couple of her la- in a couple of her recent runs it's kind of hard to make too many excuses for her really
0: yeah, she was, of course, the horse that got confused with Stablemate. snowfall in that race. We won't get into that because there's been plenty of talk about it already. Uh, Nizuna comes in here for Roger Varian, owned by his wife, Hanako. Mm-hmm. To me, she'll definitely have to develop a little bit more to be competitive.
1: For me, Nizuna, again, will need to step up. Definitely will need to step up. Probably going to, like, could have, I think will appreciate the mile trip. But on all-known form that we've seen so far, needs to be doing a little bit more to be in with a chance of a uh, stab at a race like this, I'm afraid.
0: I'll just continue talking about Udna Dada, the other juvenile that Jessica Harrington brings up. And she's one going left-handed at a bit more of a sort of slopey bend kind of track in Leopardstown. But her daughter, Kate Harrington, I was listening to her talking beforehand saying it's a really good track to compare to Keenan going left, you know, and and sort of the type of layout. And they were quite excited about her.
1: Yeah, I actually, she'd be my pick in this race, I think, funnily enough. Um, She's done a lot less on the track compared to a horse like Miss Amulet, perhaps. Um, But again, she has that really strong form line, the pretty gorgeous shale line, which can't really re- reiterate enough. It definitely sets the standard in Europe this year in this division, and she finished third behind them in the Moigler. Um and now she's stepping up to the mile for the first time, which I think will really suit her. She's by Australia. Um, I think this could be right up your uh, up her street, basically. Um, the like the the time where she was well beaten by shale at Leopardstown that was a little bit of a non-event because the race all went to pop for her from the beginning, basically. And she never really had a chance. Um, And yeah, I think in the Moigler, she was definitely staying on. I just think that on breathing and on the way, what we've seen of her so far, she's a lightly campaigned horse. She does have a bit of inexperience compared to a few others in here, but I think that the style of race, a nice fast run race will really suit her over the mile trip. And I think she, no, in fact, I know she's definitely my selection
0: in this race. Wow, that's a super intriguing selection. I love it. She'll definitely be a good price there. So love to see how she's going to fare. Let's move on to the Saturday. Let's uh, continue from uh, the Friday, Future Stars Friday, of course, super, super excited. Let's start with the Breeders' Cup Turf sprint where we have glass sippers in here for kevin ryan a horse that we discussed when we were uh, on the podcast talking about royal ascot this year because she was in against batash in the king's stand wasn't she
1: she was indeed she's she's cool glass slippers i really like her she's a very solid group one five furlong sprinter She's basically, she's proved herself at this level time and time again. Her form speaks for itself. The question is simply, will she be able to bring her best form to the Keeneland track? She has run some very good races on soft and heavy ground in the past, but she's also won on good ground. So I'm not saying it's essential, but I do wonder if she puts in some of her better performances with a bit of cut in the ground. That, I guess, would be a bit of a concern. But she's a proper group one, five furlong sprinter. and I yeah i i don't think i fancy her in this race but judging how she normally runs she will put her best foot forward she'll run a blinder for connections she'll give you a good run for your money if you do like her and i can see why that the yeah i i think she's solid enough as an option for this race but i i I, i'm not sure she'd be my selection
0: does that make sense like, I think she's absolutely. I mean, she's going up against yeah. a horse like Got Stormy uh, from Mark Cassie, yeah. who's, you know, multiple great one winner, phenomenal Philly. Although some Philly, excuse me, Mera, some do say that she might not be the same as she used to be. It's a, an intriguing race, that's for sure. We have another European that's in there, but not in the body yet. Depending on scratches, we have Equilater, who's a second. Uh, also eligible which means that there have to be two scratches now diamond oops in here does have a first preference for the sprint so not for the turf sprint so that's maybe one out if he does get a run in the sprint but mm, i'm not 100 sure how i guess we'll know this afternoon if, if we'll get a run or not i don't know if you have any more information about him
1: No, I don't actually. I mean, he's a horse who I just, I always wonder with him and it's such a strange thing to say about a five-year-old, but I just genuinely wonder if we've ever really seen the very best of him. I just don't think he's the easiest to train or ride. He's very, very talented. Uh, The track and the ground at Keeneland will suit him, but he's been found wanting at this level many times before. And I think to be honest, he probably will do again if he gets in. But his best run game at Royal Ascot this year, he was impressive behind and. Yeah, if some for some reason he sort of put his all his effort in and got his act together, he actually could be Group One placed level. He is already, I suppose, but as in he he could be. There's something about him and the way his connections talk. I know he's ultimately a better horse than we've seen him on the racetrack so far, but I just don't think he can put it all together on the day. I think he, you know he makes life hard for himself his jockey and this trainer <laughs> well,
0: that, that's not ideal for anyone involved and i just yeah. feel like he kind of he either when he turns up and everything goes right he can flash a tad bit of brilliance
1: yeah exactly but if it
0: doesn't go his way it's yeah. like a complete non-performance and you have to write him off exactly
1: that's why his form is so sort of like it's kind of hard to get a real handle on it because you think, well, how did he run like that there, but then bombed out so badly there? Um, so, yeah, he's just a horse for me that I wouldn't trust as far as I could throw him. <laughs> whereas Glass Zippers, <laughs> two such, like, contrasting profiles, Glass Zippers, I think she will just turn up and run a really solid race, um, whereas Equilateral could be placed or could be trailing in last, literally. <laughs>
0: Oh dear. Well, let's get a handle on the British Cup filly and mare turf. We had a, we have a fair few euros in here this year. Uh, Daria for James Fanshawe. I think that's like his first British Cup starter in 30 years or something. I yeah. mean, he doesn't send one over if he doesn't think they have a legitimate chance.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. She was a very surprised winner of the Romane over in France, a huge odds, and she came into that off the back of a handicap win up at Newcastle, I think it was. Um, And then since that French group one win, she's been seen to finish third behind um, the Dermot horse, whose name has completely escaped me now, um, in the pre-derop. Ternawa? Yeah, it's the one. And uh, I guess the concern (laughs) with, with... or Daria for the Fanshawe team would be that her good efforts have come in French soft ground and I worry that she won't be one that would naturally cope with the Keenland track that well. Um, She wasn't able to back the Group 1 win up. Well, though, but she ran a pretty solid effort to be fair to us. I don't think, actually I think it's a bit unfair to say that she didn't back up her Deauville win um, last time out because she probably, she ran to a really decent level of form actually. But it's just, yeah, I think I, I'd be worried about that French form transferring over again a little bit, like how we were talking about the juveniles earlier. Some of that very yeah. wet ground French form with um, sort of slightly patchy. I'm not saying they they haven't all been patchy in terms of the actual horses contesting the Group One races in France this year. Obviously, there's been some really good level racing, but I obviously because of this sl- such bizarre seat bizarre season over here it's all been a bit hit and miss and i just worry that she won't relish the keeneland track and she probably does need to step up as well
0: yeah i, I worry about her running style myself cayenne uh, pepper in here three-year-old philly for jessica Harrington. she was second to tarnawa in the irish stallion farm great great cheese I, I, i'm gonna keep doing this group Three race, two starts back, and then Turnabo went on to win two Group 1s subsequently. She then came back, Cayenne Pepper came back in the moygler Joe's Blandfoot Stakes Group 2, where she just demolished the field, winning by four lengths. So she seems like she's fresh and kind of well-managed, hasn't gone on that really heavy ground that some of the other horses have gone. How do you think the Irish form is going to translate to Keeneland?
1: Yeah, obviously. Um, I think ground wise, like you've touched upon, she's had the best of it, pretty much. I guess the really interesting thing is with her is that after her lovely two year old campaign where she was a real standout, they then brought her back this year and they've essentially campaigned her well for a couple of starts as a well. They wanted her to be an Oaks filly, didn't they? And she is in the sense that she finished second in it. She didn't disappoint. Um, I guess she went off the 2-1 to favourite and she didn't win so some people could say that was disappointing but for me it wasn't I think she ran a blinder but I think the mile and a half trip really stretches her whereas I think the 10 furlongs is much more to her suiting and obviously we saw her back over the 10 furlongs last time out in that group too and she bolted up as you've touched upon and then the the only other time we've seen her over the ten furlongs this year was in the Pretty Polly Stakes, and that was where she met Magical, who that's a brilliant line of form. Yes, she was beaten a fair way in that, but it's still a brilliant run from a three-year-old filly up against Magical. So I think if you pick out her ten furlong form based on that, I think she'd have a she has a real chance here. Um, over obviously it's the nine and a half furlongs, but it's it's going to be much more to her suiting than those attempts at the mile and a half and she definitely I like you say I thought she was really back on song last time out it wasn't just a win at a group two level it was an emphatic win and I think she probably comes here as the best of the Jesse Harrington
0: challengers Oh, that's saying something because I do like Jessie Harrington's juveniles as well. Yeah. Gosh, this could be this could be a year for her, right? Yeah, it could be
1: huge. Could be huge. I mean, it's amazing how like you make all these cases and then you completely put to like you just eating your humble pie for weeks afterwards. So um, I actually I haven't there was an article on the Out the Races website which um, I flagged up to read and never quite got round to, uh, but Jessie Harrington talking about her. Um, her breeders cup horses and i noticed that it was you know predominantly there's a lot of care and chat pepper chat so i think they've always really loved this horse she was a star two-year-old and then she's come out this year and i think she has an opportunity
0: here to really finish the season on a high well, i hope she will indeed uh, peaceful the uh, Aidan o'brien runner uh Interesting horse here by Galileo. I mean, of course, they're high-class cruisers, sprinters, and they just keep on going. But very, very well beaten. Last time out in the Sun Chariot on that heavy ground. Did run a very strong second before that in the Matron. I, I kind of don't really know what to make of her, to be honest.
1: Yeah, uh Definitely last time out, too bad to be true. I mean, far too bad to be true. Can't be having that in a month of Sundays. Um and I guess a little bit like Kay and Pepper talking about the track, really the key with peaceful is um the trip is really gonna suit her here. Um the nine and a half furlongs, she's been tried at ten furlongs before and she ran a brilliant race in the Group One Um where she was beaten by Fancy Blue. Um, but that was a really good run in at Shanti and for me, she's been tried at then the mile the last two times, and the Leopardstown run was fine, was good I suppose. Beaten by champs Shampersalize. Um, sorry, <laughs> everyone does that, don't they, with her? Um, and then yeah, like you say, Newmarket run for peaceful. Too bad to be true, but really, basically, the big thing to focus on with her is stepping back up to the ten furlongs because the one time we have seen her over the ten. Furlongs or roughly 10 and a half, but that fancy blue run was probably the best bit of form we've seen her run to this season, I'd say. And so for me, that was definitely one thing to bear in mind with her. But she is going to, I guess, the question like the thing you'd really pick up on is that do you want to back a horse in a Breeders' Cup grade one race coming here off the back of such a poor run last time out? It's all right. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, just write off that last time out run. But you know, there has to be a reason that she ran so badly and it yeah okay maybe she got stuck in the mud that day but it was so
0: bad that would you worry it was a non-performance basically it was like she wasn't even there
1: (laughs) there exactly so you know there would be a bit of a what happened there what was the actual reason Mm -hmm. not even any effort put in at all really
0: yeah Yeah, because I mean she is the Irish thousand guineas winner but there have been you know people saying that early classic form hasn't been as strong due to covid and everyone kind of you know not being able to travel and perhaps not everything going according to plan but as you mentioned if you key out that form ten and a half furlongs in the prix de diane she's incredibly strong there and of course prepped by Aiden o'brien which gives her an automatic kind of she'll go in here professionally but yeah that that last run kind of put me off and that's why i was saying i don't really know where to place her
1: yeah no, definitely, definitely tricky. I mean, the Am form, like I said, is, for me, one of her better bits of form this year. Um, and is it's at is that, that extended trip, so that's the real attraction. But, yeah, the question mark is last time out.
0: <laughs> yeah, and she's going against an incredibly strong... Chad Brown Continued in this race. You have to turn up. I mean, you have a Rushing Fall and Sister Charlie, and then of course the the Canadian Philly Starship Julie coming. I mean, this this race is turning out to be incredibly incredibly strong. I wanted to ask you about Tarnawa for Dermot Well, but her pre- first preference is the turf. So let's discuss her in the turf and move on to Terabellum for John Gosden. What do you make of her?
1: Yeah, she's been put in her place pretty fair and squarely, I think, by Nazif on the last two starts. But Nazif is a Philly I love, so I'm not crabbing that form in any sense of the word. But two starts ago um, in the Falmouth Stakes, I think the yard, they're obviously both from the same yard, the Phillies. And I think very much Telebrellen was expected to go and win the Falmouth and Nazif beat her that day. And Then confirmed that form in the Sun Chariot last time out. Uh, But prior to that, she ran a belting race, a belter of a race against Circus Maximus and the Queen Anne. She went to go win it and then it was a terrific ride, wasn't it, by Ryan Moore that day on the opening day of Royal Ascot. Just got Circus Maximus back up, but that's a horse who absolutely relishes Ascot. And so again, there's nothing, there's nothing, no, you know. Yes, she hasn't won in her last three starts, but actually her form is very solid. She's been beaten by two very good horses in Nazif and Circus Maximus over the mile trip. Um, And now she's stepping up in trip. And the last time we saw her step up in trip was her first run this season, which is it was in a group two, but she won at Newmarket um in the dahlia philly stakes and that was over the 10 furlongs then since we've seen her over the mile and i guess the thing with her is kind of the question mark of you know we saw her run so well over the 10 furlongs and then her la- and then all season she's been campaigned as a miler so it's kind of obviously John Gosden knows best <laughs> and that's what they've decided to do with her but i guess it's a little bit surprising we haven't seen her up in trip again since you know, in in recent runs, I suppose, because she has shown that strong level of form over the mile and two furlongs. Um, but they, like I say, have campaigned as a mile left. They've met some good horses in defeat. Her form is solid. And I guess the big tick is that, yeah, stepping up in trip for a little while and she's uh, for the first time in a little while and the ground, hopefully she'll get some proper good ground and I think that will really be a benefit to her. Um, it was soft at Ascot. It was soft at Newmarket on the July course. And then it was soft at Newmarket um, last time out as well. So that won't have helped her. She's a very fluent, moving individual. Um, so, yeah, step up in trip and good ground. Two boxes tick for Terebellum.
0: Yeah, I'm worried about the course layout, though. Keenan being left-handed, tight turns, and she's been running, you know, straight Mao, and then yeah. right-handed, yeah. Newmarket, Longchamp, Deauville. Yeah. <laughs> Newbury was left-handed.
1: Yeah, I guess, um, I suppose, we won't know. That, you know, you don't know until she tries it. She's mm. a very good moving individual, and that's got to be a positive. Um So question mark there. Yeah, track question mark, but trip no question mark and ground no question mark. So that'd be how I'd weigh her chances up.
0: All right. Half-light for Henry Alex Pantau is a first, also eligible, but with Tarnawa first preference turf, you think that she's most likely to go get a run, this Godolphin-owned filly that ran a strong second on that heavy ground, that form line that we just discussed uh, the Sun Chariot, and has, has been ultra consistent. I feel like she just always turns up no matter where she's at. She's been campaigned multiple different countries, England, Germany, France, uh, Germany again. Uh, she's no stranger to traveling, that's for sure.
1: No, she's not, is she? She's got more stamps on her passport than most of us this year. That is for sure. Well, that is <laughs> certain too. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing we know about Half-Life. Very solid campaigner, been well tried up at the highest level a good few times, but last time out behind the Zeev was actually probably one of her best efforts in defeat, and she's come up against some proper, you know, miling type horses, and we'll see her back up again. She's another one a bit like Terabella, like won over the ten furlongs before, and now is stepping back up again, having been dropped back down to the mile. So, um, I guess that's of interest, but to be honest with you, she wouldn't, she's not, she hasn't been high up on my, uh, list for this race or my research list, actually <laughs> <laughs> kind of had a, quite a focus on, uh, the Irish basically in this race with
0: Kay and yeah. Very, very, and yeah. yeah. Very understandable. Uh, Let's get going with the Breeders' Cup Mao where we have a fair few high class European uh, contenders that are hoping to upset the Americans. Uh, First one would be Circus Maximus for Aidan O'Brien who we've discussed before uh, empathic Queen Anne stakes winner this year under that ride of Ryan Moore. Uh, Last start wasn't having a lot of fun there was he? No, and actually, he's just the horse who always runs
1: really well, generally, at Ascot, so that was definitely quite disappointing. Um, But he can be a bit in and out. He needs races, I think, to go his, his slightly his way, and I guess the Terrabellum run uh, right the way back in June, we haven't seen him win since, and he's been thrown in in four Group 1 since at Goodwood, then Dover, Longchamp and Ascot um running good races but kind of more and more as forms kind of petered off to be honest with you when you really look at it he's not coming here on the up is he let's be honest Uh,
0: no no I'm definitely worried about him he wasn't my top selection in here I'm afraid
1: no no I think for me he needs to bounce back somewhere near his best um you know, with any Aiden O'Brien runner coming over to the Breeders' Cup, I guess it goes without saying that. You know, they have a yard full of Group 1 performers, essentially. And when they're picking out who gets to go and run at the Breeders' Cup, it's not kind of done by chance or fluke. It's well thought out and, you know, planned and prepped for. And they take it very, very seriously, the Breeders' Cup. So I'm always just, it always pricks my ears that a horse like him, who you might say his form has been trailing off a touch, is making the trip over there. You know, they've obviously kept him on the go for this. And they think there's a reason to take him over and roll the dice again at Keeneland with a horse like him. Um, So even just on that basis, you know, Aidan O'Brien knows more about racing. He's forgotten more about racing than I will ever know in my life. So the fact that they're even running him is um, of interest, I think. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah, for sure. There is no reason to put a horse on the plane if you don't think he is on the up and is going to put in a good performance. And especially Aidan O'Brien doesn't come here just for the run. He comes to win. Yeah. So, yeah, he, I mean, we don't know what's going on at Ballet I'm sure he must have been showing them at home that he might be feeling back to his best self again. Um, however, the story, arguably, in this race is the horse has been getting lots of attention throughout his career, uh, the Andrew Balding-trained Hamako, of course, the two thousand guineas winner this year, yeah, a horse that definitely has been performing well. I wouldn't say he's a world beater just yet. You know. am I? Am I being critical here? Um, this horse is
1: so interesting for me, just as a horse in terms of his profile. You know, he's a mile winner, history-making in the sense that he won a group one on the all-weather when the um, Futurity was obviously transferred from Doncaster to Newcastle and the all-weather track at Newcastle last year. So on that basis, he is a history maker because his first group one winner on the all-weather in Britain. Uh, But then Mm -hmm. he's come out this year and he broke the record in the Guineas. I mean, that is serious. That's a serious job to do that. He won it impressively. You know, he was... Mm -hmm. He beat a solid field. It was a well-hyped Guinea's. Yes, of course, now when we look back on it, horses have flopped since and stepped up and tripped and down and tripped and done roundabouts and God knows what else. But that's what happens in a Guinea's. It's an early, you know, classic. And Mm -hmm. at the time it was a very, very solid classic. And then they obviously rolled the dice in the derby, and that didn't work. He didn't stay the trip. He didn't appreciate Epsom and he didn't, he ran an okay race. But he finished six lengths off the, you know, bizarrely run winner in Serpentine. Um, And so you can write that off. You know, they tried the mile and a half and then they're like, right, that didn't work. So we'll step him back down in trip and we'll go to Goodwood for the Sussex Stakes, back to a mile, which he likes. And then just by process of good horses coming out of the mile trip, he ends up running in one of the strongest Sussex Stakes to date, with Mahatha in there, obviously winning in the end, but Siskin as well and Kamiko. So you've got the Irish 2000 guineas winner, the English 2000 guineas winner. It was just a brilliant, brilliant race. Mahatha was a brilliant winner, but we all know that it was, um, there was trouble in running for a few of them. Siskin didn't seem to really show up or didn't seem to have the kick there when asked for. We'll talk about Siskin in a minute, I'm sure. And Kamiko, of course, met terrible trouble in running. So there was a lot of unanswered questions for me in that after the Sussex Stakes. Would he, could he have won? Could he have beaten Mahatha? I don't think so. Could he have been closer than three lengths to Mahatha? Absolutely. So for me, that proved the mile was his trip. And then I was just really surprised that they then rolled him back out in the Jubmont, stepping him back up to the mile and a quarter again at York. And he had to meet Gayath there. I mean, very tricky as well. So what I'm and talking Magical. About- yeah, yeah, of course. I'm magical. I mean, like, just an incredibly tough race. And what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is those middle runs from his guineas back to then we saw him last time out in the Group 2 in the Joel Stakes winning impressively under a penalty. Those middle three runs, just, I really genuinely think there's proper excuses for those runs. And something about Kamiko at the moment has him tagged in my head as a sort of, nearly horse and it's such a weird thing to say about a guineas winner but i honestly think over a mile if he had been campaigned solely at a mile and potentially in a slightly different way i think is the mile is his trip i guess is what i'm trying to say and now we're going to see him back at a world-class mile in a world-class mile race and i honestly think we'll see the best of him now and if he comes up short then fair enough But as excuses for those middle three runs, I'm happy to take on board, to be honest with you. And it was just great to see him back in the Joel Stakes. Yes, under the penalty, and he did it really well. He was going away at the line. And I just thought that showed that he's back on track now, back over a mile, and now he's going to get good ground here at Keeneland. And I can see why he tops the betting, to be honest with you, which I think he does at the moment. For all those reasons, I think I can see... He's the three year old and I think this could I think we could see the best of him here.
0: Yeah, well you summed it up really well because that was kind of like he he's been touted as the horse to beat, and he is coming in here on the up and has put in some incredible performances. But as you said, it's like that nearly horse you just you know hasn't really like done done it yet even though like you said wins the 2000 guineas so that's kind of weird to say like i i absolutely love him and we've talked about him very frequently i've you know it's a horse that has been in the news but that's what i'm I'm trying to be a bit more conservative about the fact that he will take a lot of money so i'm trying to poke holes Um, in why you know why you either go or you don't go for a horse that's going to come offshore go offshore
1: yeah he is gonna go offshore, and you there are as for like like just run through you know there's there's loads of reasons why you can crab this horse for what we've just spoken about there um but I just really, I think he's one of the, you know, for, we've said it the whole way through this podcast. It's like, will Keeneland and the Breeders' Cup and the running of the race and the style of the US horses and the speed, et cetera, et cetera, the track, the trip, everything. Will Keenland bring out the best in European horse A, B, C or D? And, you know, a lot of the time we're saying, oh, I don't know if it will. <laughs> Whereas with Cameco, I think we could see him in a great light here. I think this could be for him.
0: Oh, very, very intrigued to see how he's going to end up faring. Let's move on to one master, the Philly, the mayor, excuse me, she's quite older now, six-year-old, who won the Group 1 Prix de la Fourette three times, but that really seems to be her race, you know, on the ground <laughs> that always comes up heavy, late in the year at Longchamp, uh, she really relishes it, she loves that seven furlong, tends to be campaigned over it most frequently, yeah. can even drop to a shorter distance, I'm not sure about this here, but William Haggis is bringing her over for a reason.
1: Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, but we will revert back to what I was just saying. I'm not entirely sure this is for her, to be honest with you. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think every year that uh, foray is basically her, her race, isn't it? It's become her race. They can name it after her. It She's is amazing, now. <laughs> isn't it? Like, it is actually amazing. Imagine having a horse. Imagine owning, training, or riding a horse that you just know. Seven furlongs, group one, soft ground, bang. In we go, three years running. I mean, that is like you know you can't ask for more than that. Like it's pretty impressive from her. Um, but she does, she has been, you know, she struggled to far elsewhere. The run behind Glenn Sheel on British Champions Day in the Sprint Stakes there. That, you know, that was a proper run. She she can be well up there at Group One level over many a different trips essentially. Yeah, she's got within length of Nazif early on in the year, who's now proved to be just the proper, proper Group 1 horse, as we've spoken about. That was over the mile. She's very solid, but I, she wouldn't be for me in this race.
0: Yeah. Well, let's chat about Safe Voyage. We'll just give him a couple of quick lines before we move on to Siskin. Otherwise, we're going to be here for two, for two hours. It seems like he is a left-handed specialist. Really, really goes well on the track like Leopardstown and then went round the Bennett at York, And he, I mean, he's an older horse for the John Quinn stable, seems to really enjoy traveling according to his son. I do believe his name is Sean Quinn. I heard him talking about this horse and what he's meant to their yard and how excited they are to bring him over.
1: Oh, this horse is amazing. An absolutely amazing horse. I mean, John Quinn, um, sort of very similar to the Nigel Tinkler Yard, northern based, Uh, Not a small yard. John Quinn's a pretty big yard. In fact, he's got kind of two stables that he runs under a licence. And um, he'd been known as an incredibly shrewd trainer. And when he gets a good horse, he knows how to train one. But this horse is remarkable. I mean, all through, you know, you look back at his record three years ago and he was running in class four handicaps and being well beaten, (laughs) you know, on the all weather up at Newcastle and whatnot. I mean, it is just a remarkable story how they've made him into a Group 1 performer (laughs) and a Grade 1 performer, and now he's going to rock up here um, in this race. So he's been an incredible, incredible horse for the the owner, really, uh, as much as anything, but also for the yard, for John Quinn's yard. Um, He needs to step up on what we've seen him do more recently. Uh, In fact, he needs to step up probably quite a bit, to be honest, on his recent form. And I think at the age of seven, there'll be other horses in here who have a much classier angle than him. But credit to them for bringing him over. He deserves his place and that all the connections will have the time of their lives. I would have thought just following it, even just just
0: following it, will be amazing for them. For sure. Well, A horse that does have a touch of star quality to him coming in here is Siskin. Seems to, I mean, he is your Irish 2000 Guineas winner, but to me, he is a horse that just has an incredible turn of foot that might just get him out of trouble here at Keenlet.
1: Oh God. I mean, Siskin and Kamiko, both of them really, you know, were very good Guineas winners. I mean, we were all reeling after Siskin won his Irish 2000 Guineas. Just a, the way he won it, the tactical side of the race, the way he was trapped in by the Baladour horses, and then his kick when he gets out is just wonderful to witness. Um, and so I think very similar to Camico, you look at his profile, and after he, after he won his Guineas back in it was June, wasn't it? He's, we've only seen him twice since and at Goodwood he just didn't seem I don't know what happened to him there I, I mean well no I do know what happened to him he ran you yeah, perfectly fine race but he just when he got the opening when Colin asked him to go and gave him the kick in the ribs, the acceleration that we saw in the two in the Irish 2000 guineas wasn't there and I really thought it would have and should have been there if that makes sense and it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he ran a brilliant race and he was third behind what will go down as a terrific winner of the race. It was well celebrated at the time over here. It's just a brilliant Sussex stakes as we've spoken about. Um, but it, it, it worried, where was that, like, where was that zip? Where was that engine we saw at the Curra? And we, and not just the Curra. we've seen it previously in his runs as a two-year-old. We saw it a lot. So that was disappointing. And then he went to Longchamp and they had trouble with him in the stalls or he got very worked up before the race um i remember i think it was jer was talking about it. i think it must have been on luck on sunday potentially or one of mm-hmm. the one of the shows but basically he just got very worked up before the race apparently and they got him down there and i think there was a stalls handler with him but either way Pre-race did not go to plan. Jer talks about it quite well, but it all just went a bit Pete Tong. Now we have seen him have trouble in the stall before as a two-year-old. And what Jer says about him is like, it's just very bizarre because at home, he's just foot perfect. Like there is no problem where he doesn't have a stalls problem. But we saw him when he got worked up at Newmarket and then didn't run. And now there's he says you can draw a line through the long shot run. He said that it the race was over before it started for him because of the situation at the stalls. <sighs> but <laughs> that's you know you're making excuses for a horse, and I just think he's an early horse. I think he could. I I I don't know where he's gone. <laughs> I think his guineas. I want him to come back to that sparkling guineas form. I want to see that turn of foot. I want to see Colin, you know, he has that like when Colin rides him, you can see he's sat on like a bonnet full of class. And then when he gets him out and lets him go and says, go on, lad, go win your race. I want to see that electric turn of foot again, but we haven't seen it for a couple of runs now. And I'm just wondering where it's gone.
0: You're making me sit here like a child that just had their favorite toy taken taken away. Like, I really want to see Siskin oh, I, come I, back because I loved seeing him run. Honestly, I do too. When I, I, I
1: loved watching him as a two-year-old. And then, you know, the fact that he kept them all warm over the winter and then came out and won a guineas. That was just, oh, I love that. I'm such a fan of the Gerlines team. I know them a little bit and I just love them. And I honestly roared him home that day, but where 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 is Siskin? Where's the real Siskin? Can the real
0: Siskin please stand up? That is what we're asking for here. <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely all right let's get to the biggest euro race of the entire two days the british cup turf and of course i'm gonna start with magical my my favorite horse coming over here which i you know i hope that she is here i haven't arrived to keen yet but i hope she is because i remember last year she was supposed to come up and the last hour she was a the, you know a lot, a late scratch absolutely love her and just want her to go go into this and show everyone what she's made of. I do find it really intriguing that she's in the turf over a mile and a half. That she doesn't even have a second preference in, in the Philly Mare turf, which is, you know, a, a little bit shorter over mile, mile 316. Whereas she's had eight wins over a mile and two furlongs. So that's a mile and, and a quarter for our Americans here. Of which is six group one wins i looked all of this up because i was like she she seems to be better over that shorter distance and then she had one group one win over a mile and a half which was the phillies and mares championship at ascot on on kipco champions day and she had two seconds over that distance both behind enable in the yorkshire oaks and then of course the british cup turf in 2018 at churchill downs i just find it really interesting i mean i $4 million versus $2 million. The turf is the more prestigious race. So uh, What are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've basically summed up the confusion. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, as in terrific, for as a racing fan, it is terrific that she's only in the turf, they've committed to the turf, and they're going to run her over a mile for, you're thinking, well, fair play to you guys. Like, you've just, you know, there's no... There's no sort of sitting on the fence here. They've made a decision and that's where they're running her. But as for all the reasons you've just mentioned, you know, all season we've seen her over the 10 furlongs and predominantly all of last season too. And the times that we have seen her over the mile and a half... I think she has had plenty of excuses, or she's run into very, very good horses, and she's so consistent. I mean, obviously look, it goes without saying. You don't have to, you don't need me to tell you, but you know her earnings, the races she's running, the horses she's met, like the way she just pretty much always puts her best foot forward as a five-year-old mare. I I can see why she has such a fan base, and she deserves it. All credit to her. Um, I don't think last time out was her true running on the soft ground on cha- in the champion stakes. I think we say she always shows up, but that probably was magical, a bit below par. But none of us are forgetting her Irish champion stakes win in a hurry. Beating Gayath, seeing off Gayath in the fashion she did, the way she did it, uh, that old, cool, Godolphin rivalry, that was one of the races of the season for me. In fact, it probably was the UK and Irish race of the season, I'd say. Just in terms of what I got such a kick out of, the way the race was run, the tracking of them. I just loved it. Loved everything about it. If you want to treat yourself, American listeners, go and watch the Irish Champion Stakes back a few times. It's just brilliant. It's got it all. And she came out on top. And then I guess the big question mark coming into the the English Champion Stakes at Ascot was really... Yeah, you know, she went off the big, the fifteen to eight favourite, and when you're picking holes in her and trying to find out why she wouldn't win that race, the what you landed on essentially was how much did that Irish Champion of Stakes actually take out of her? It was about four mm-hmm. weeks later she came over to England, but she's had a tough old season. She's been well camped, well not tough season. She had the five runs, but she's run some really big races. You know, coming up against good horses. And she just flopped that touch last time out. And that wouldn't be like her. She, yes, she wasn't beaten far, but it probably she didn't run up to her standard, her level. And now she's coming over here again as it is
0: three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. 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 I just double checked how, how much in between three weeks, including traveling to the yeah. United States. That that has me worried. I mean, on class, she has them all covered. But h- how tired is she?
1: How tired is she? Is the mile for her ideal? Connections obviously think it is. So, like you can't argue with them. But it definitely is a question mark, and it's a deep enough race. She'll need to be pretty much at her best to win this.
0: <sighs> it's it's a tough race. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the other euros uh, think- in here. Uh, let's talk about. Um, we'll go to Turnawa at Weld's Philly coming over. Uh, she seems to be really, really on the up and up. Won the Prix de l'Opera Longine last time out on that heavy ground. But before that, very, very strong run in the Vermeer over a mile and a half. That is right-handed at Longchamp. That was better ground than what she encountered last time. She she really, you know, she's going in here at, you know, top form. Peak of everything, peaking at you know. I really can't floor her on based on her last three yeah. ones. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Like we talk
1: about how magical. Maybe we haven't seen her at her best, her last run, and at the age of five, like how tired is she? As you put it, it's just a just pretty simple question, but that is the big question mark there. And she's not coming into it potentially off the back of a peak run, whereas Tanawa is like she's a five, a four year old mare. Sorry, but she's just improving all the time i mean this season she's kind of been a revelation i don't get me wrong i get I, i can see she was good last year we all saw that she won she ran some very good races but she won a couple of good races too but not at the highest level and then she's come out this season and she's three from three she's been lightly campaigned dermot welder said this is his best chance of a breeders cup winner he's ever had i mean fancy that for a comment like a man who travels, you know, who travels horses internationally, you know, a lot, set the standard for that, basically. And yes, she had the two entries, but they've committed very early to this race. She's really—it's hard to knock her on what she's done so far. It is very hard to knock her. I don't think. I think yes. Look, she won on heavy ground last time out, but the time before that, it was perfectly good at Longchamp back in September, and that was over this trip. So that's a massive positive, big tick. Track, obviously a concern. Running style, I think she's pretty versatile, to be honest with you. And you wouldn't want to bet against her, would you? I mean, nope.
0: like... I'm scared of her. I think she's coming in here, oh my God, primed, you know, absolutely ready for this. Like you said, three races this season. She's just peaking now.
1: She's absolutely peaking. And... Trained by a master. There's a lot to like about her. And if anyone is backing her, I am not going to be the one to put you off her because how could you really like, how could you? I mean, someone brighter than me in terms of like sort of stats and running styles and figures and numbers would probably, I don't know, would, you know, obviously you can pick holes in any horse's form, but at the base level, there's not much you can crab of her, I don't think.
0: Nope, no negatives really whatsoever this season. She's coming to her own as a four-year-old. Let's chat about mogul um, Aiden O'Brien's runner coming in here after quite a proper race in the Grand Prix de Paris over this trip uh, at Longchamp as well. Phil, brother to Japan two-time Group One winner, Jumpman International winner, because I, I just looked at because I was like, oh, shastai! I mean, of course, Aiden has just been training all these incredible. Group one winning families. He trains the dams. He trains everything, you know, that comes his way from the dam by the most impec- you know, the best sire in the world, in Galileo. So impeccably bred horses. Can we see Mogul be the one flying underneath the radar a little bit? Absolutely.
1: He's actually look. I my her, as you can probably tell, I love Magical, but I do have my queries about her. And I'd actually, if I had to choose between the Aiden and O'Brien runners, I'd be with Mogul. I think very different.
0: No, no, sacrilege. <laughs> oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> Little fatty mogul. You know, he's a real fatty. Wait till you see him in the paddock. They keep bloody running him and he just gets fatter by the looks of it.
0: But no, oh God. <laughs> like,
1: like, you see him, honestly. What like Pre-race in some of the races, we like up at York, I think it was Jason Weaver really picked up on it. It's like, this horse looks like the sort of horse you'd say will come on for his first run of the season. Yet he's already run four times. <laughs> Like he just really, he's a good doer. He must just be a good doer. And I think he's quite a barrely physical horse anyway. So he's not fat, obviously, but it is quite funny. But um, he, for me, just very different profile to Magical, who obviously were questioning whether the mile and a half really is her perfect trip or whether she's best suited to the 10 furlongs. Whereas Mogul this year has been campaigned as an out and out mile and a half horse. You know, they they've really decided that's what he is And that's what we're going to stick to. Now, what I find really interesting is his win in the Grand Prix de Paris. For me, that was incredibly impressive. He quickened off such a strong pace that day. The gaps emerged and he had the power to go through them. And he's a horse that really relishes this trip because he has that. He he has a high cruising speed. He can travel at a good high cruising speed, but he also has a turn of foot. And the way in which they rode him at Longchamp compared to how we've seen him ridden in other races. They really got it right that day. There was a horse that went off in front and set a very, set very strong factionals. and Mogul was the only horse basically who could travel up with the pace and then kick. And I was really, really impressed by him. Um, he gets his three-year-old allowance. So he's getting weight from a few of these. He, I think he's probably my pick in this. No, in fact, he is my pick. Yeah, no, he is. I really think he has the skill set and the tools in his under the bonnet essentially to take to this. This could be to his suiting, I think. And I think the ground trip track, the way the race might be run. I think it could be right up Mogul Street.
0: Whew. I'm going to hold you to that one. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Let's quickly chat Lord uh, North before we wrap everything up. Yeah, it
1: needs to improve on what we've seen so far. Last two runs have ultimately been pretty disappointing, but is now stepping up to the mile and a half, which is, is of interest. And of course, you'd never write off a John Gosden horse, probably ridden by Frankie Dettori in a race like this. So um, his win at Royal Ascot in the Prince of Wales Stakes was uh, kind of surprised to some in many ways. And that's by far his best form thus far this season. But since then, he was beaten, I think, pretty fair and square up at York, albeit by two top-class individuals. And then last time out at Ascot, he re- if we're talking about maybe Magical potentially not putting her best foot forward in that British champion stakes, um, then Lord North really didn't. Now, I think that can probably be attributed to the ground. He's not a soft ground horse. He won't have liked that. And his best runs have been on good ground. But a little bit like one of the horses we were talking about earlier can't remember who it was now but you know do you you, are you really confident about a horse coming into this if you're trying to write off their last run I just think it's a lot to bounce back for at the highest level on the biggest stage
0: yeah no I agree horses coming in here a fair few of them are coming in here at the top of their game, their best of their ability have been putting in some wonderful sparkling performances. And then for a horse to come in here, not entirely on top of it, you are going to put them to the side because the fields are that strong. You can't come in here and just kind of hope that that was a complete write-off when you're coming up against legitimate group one horses that have been peaking and are prepped for this. Now, If you had to pick your best euro bet or your pick of all days who who would it be i'm so putting you like i'm putting you to the fire god. here
1: you really are <laughs>
0: um oh god
1: that is a tricky one um i really honestly it wouldn't be like me to pick a horse in any juvenile race to be honest with you it wouldn't necessarily be my like favorite uh, division in terms of I often yeah it wouldn't be my my absolute favorite but honestly that juvenile turf over the mile on the Friday is just we we've, we have such a good record in it as I discussed and I've got this head heart thing going on with battleground but new mandate I just I don't know I don't know I keep thinking he's he's gonna run a good race he's gonna run a belter and he might be a big enough price in that. But, God, I mean, that's a bit left field, isn't it? Away from that, I think I've made a very valid case for Mogul. And I think I will be with him in the big one. Um, yeah, those would be two of my strongest
0: fancies anyway. Very gutsy choices That I want to do a head-to-head with you, Cadillac to New Mandate in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile term. Oh, turf.
1: no, because you'll smash me.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, happy. I'm I'm happy. bring it, V. <laughs> I think the
1: thing is, I, with these podcasts, like as you know, I do a few of them and I think you kind of have to own it. Like, I don't like it when I actually, I, I'm not telling you that you should be ribbing me when I, all my horses, I've, I've said I liked flop, but you know, it's all good fun, isn't it? To, like I, one of the guys I do a podcast with loves making me a bit of humble pie and he'll like play back a clip where I've said like, I really think New Mandate has got the skill set. And then literally it's like, New Mandate has not finished yet. It's not. stopped; <laughs> He's still You've running. You've <laughs> got to be held accountable. Haven't you? Let's be honest. It's a game yeah. yeah. A game and you
0: business. have to, you have to stick with your opinions. And we're all guessing here at the highest level. So of course it's going to be tricky, but I think it's yeah. a great challenge. And I'm taking you Cadillac New Mandate. Next time you're on this podcast, I'm going to, I'm to well, this back to you, you.
1: Have and I'll have new mandate and you have magician and I'll have
0: mogul how about that oh yeah magical magical you, can, you can have mogul I'll have magical I'm magical. never straying from her
1: no magical sorry yeah magical of course you can have her and I will have mogul
0: okay that that's a deal that's a deal what, what's at stake here
1: uh, reputation naomi reputation
0: rights <laughs> <laughs> bragging rights exactly bragging rights oh that sounds good to me Vanessa, we can talk for hours and hours i was going to actually ask you about um the jockeys race that's going on currently in the uk william buick um doing you know trying to catch up there with the sheen murphy this is uh, can you give me a quick, give me a two-sentence sum-up of how it's going right now? Because there's six days left and they're, what, 11 wins apart right now?
1: Yeah, I think, um, to be honest with you, pretty unlikely for William Buick. I thought one stage when there was probably 10 days still to go, William Buick had a double and maybe Asheen had a blank day. And I thought, oh, maybe it might go. But Asheen Murphy rode a four-timer followed by a three-timer recently. Followed by, you know, he's like that everyone's backing him across the board. I think it'll be very hard to catch. Uh but look, William Buick's put up a brilliant fight and he's not gonna be one to write off for the future, is he?
0: Never. Absolutely not, William Buick, world class rider that was seen ride, you know, incredibly for Godolphin across the globe. So yeah, it's just I love it when I know that it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I love the jockeys races and when it gets competitive and when there is a race going on because that is pure sportsmanship. So you're right, most likely O'Sheen's got it in the bag. But uh, it's still nice to see that there was some competition going on. Absolutely, because at one stage, it definitely looked like it was a complete write-off with Sheen
1: Murphy. And it does slightly t- take away from the Jockeys Championship over here. If Because jockeys have to commit to winning it because it's all about numbers. So, you know, they're not going to go for the listed race over at Newmarket. Instead, they're going to go, because don't forget at the moment, they can only ride in one meeting a day due to the COVID restrictions. So what's happening is, you know, they have to drop class for quantity and um, not many jockeys well, not not, you know, a lot of jockeys don't want to do that. And so it's been kind of nice that in the last few months of the season, two very top jockeys who are normally seen to be riding in the class races have really committed to trying to win the jockeys championship. Because otherwise, if you don't have those big names, at least trying to win it, it kind of takes away from it a little bit. Um, so the fact that it, it has run as it has with the two of those guys going hammer and tongs is brilliant. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Vanessa, thank you so much for your wonderful insight. Your strong opinions are going to see how we'll fare against each other. But it's always a pleasure having you on.
1: No, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I always do this. I tend to sing a good song and then I watch the race and I'm like, sorry, what did I say about that horse again? Oh, no.
0: Don't give up on your own opinions just yet. I think they're pretty legit, so we'll see how you go. Thanks, V. We'll look forward to it. I can't
1: wait for uh, the action to kick off, actually. I'll be thoroughly looking forward to it. I'll enjoy it. I'll be sat watching it on the sofa. You'll be there, Naomi, and I'm very jealous, but enjoy it yourself. And um, yeah, another extraordinary event to go along with an extraordinary year, but we'll make the most of it, won't we?
0: Absolutely. strangest year to date. But I'm flying out this afternoon, so I am thoroughly excited to see All the Horses in the Flesh at Keeneland. The only track I've ever galloped at in the United States, but you know, at least I galloped at one and that was Keeneland. So I guess I know it a little bit.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Love that. Good on you. More than I've ever done. <laughs>
0: well, it's comparable to, to the Australian tracks that I used to exercise right at. So that made it a, a lot easier than coming over from Europe and then riding at on the dirt tracks that it's completely different world completely different very intriguing and, and great to sort of compare and contrast the you know the training method
1: yeah absolutely i mean i you know i met you over here when you were um just before you got on the Dali flying start course i think and you know i look at you over there now and like phew, that American form and the style in which they race over there. I mean, I think God, I'd have to start from scratch in terms of if I was to, you know, you have to learn right from the very beginning. Because as I can tell from the bit of exposure we have to it on Sky Sports Racing, you know, we give stateside quite a lot of airtime, and it's just it's a real learning curve for me. They obviously do things very very differently, and. It would take probably a stint of time out there to really understand it, to be honest with you. I think a lot of Europeans think like that. When you're sat here watching it on the TV, I'm not sure you really get the like full perspective of how different it is. But it's, it's not a gif- different game, obviously. We're all in the same boat, but it is a very different style.
0: Well, it's much easier being at the track, being at the dirt tracks and, and seeing all those races. It makes it so much more tangible than when you're, in Europe watching it from abroad it can sometimes be a bit sort of I wouldn't say dry but it's more like it's hard to understand and then when you're here and you're just immersed in it I mean I definitely started from scratch completely all the all the you know the time form figures all the buyers all the splits everything being right there I wasn't used to that I love it now and I get really annoyed if I don't get it for like other races you know four races. I'm like where are all my good stats but You know, it, it definitely is a completely different ball game. I feel very lucky that I've been able to at least adapt ever so slightly whilst being here. No, it's brilliant a brilliant opportunity,
1: and it's something that you know a lot of people, a lot of professionals over here would complain about if they got given the airtime in terms of like, it. Do we offer enough information up? You know, should we be opening the doors even more to punters and professionals alike in a way in which? You know, you guys do in America and obviously Hong Kong do so well and other international jurisdictions. Should we be providing more data in this modern era? And I think the answer is it's hard. You know, I think the answer is yes. And as time develops more, we will have to catch up over here, I'd say.
0: Well, it's hard because the layout of all the tracks are so yeah. vastly different in terms of you know the bends the run-ins uh, the, the ground everything the undulations you know the big difference in you know going up and down into a dip out of a dip we don't have those factors here all you have is you know how sharp is the track how big is the track you know belmont park being huge uh, it's that makes it easier because you can compare tracks a little bit more readily Than when you're dealing with so many different factors that are very hard to quantify.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that I think any Americans would realize when they came over here is like, oh my God, you know, every single one of our track is completely different to the last one you may have been at. There is no set way, you know, and you think about horses. That's why when you look at form and you see a horse that loves a track like the straight mile at Ascot, but then Couldn't you know? You know, then struggled at Goodwood. Like if you walked Goodwood and then saw Ascot, you'd understand why. And those aren't even two extreme examples, actually. To be honest with you, but you get what I mean. Like you've been here and seen it yourself firsthand. The fact that they run the Derby round Epsom is, and always will be, one of the big mysteries in life because it is an extraordinary roller coaster. I mean, people say that, and you read about it. When you actually stand on the track at Epsom. You think to yourself, what athletes they must be to travel around here at 30 plus miles an hour and kick off a pace on a track like this. You just can't believe a horse can do it. Yet they can. It's actually extraordinary.
0: I think that also shows how good Aidan's record's been in this race because he actually has replicated that sort of inverse camber of the home turn at Bally yeah. Doyle and hence allows his three-year-olds to get that experience and to know what it's like to travel at speed across a track that is indeed very you know undulating very sharp very different but hence you know he seems to absolutely thrive on getting his derby winners in thank god i'm still saying that correctly (laughs) so yeah yeah, no it's 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 very very intriguing definitely feel like we have enough um, content here to do a whole new podcast just you know contrasting american and european racing don't we? Definitely. I mean, the thing is, is
1: I love, you know, we speak about it a bit, Naomi, but, you know, like we're relatively young ish in our careers and in racing as a whole. And what I love about it is like, you'll never know. We'll never know it all. There is always something to learn. Like I listen to you talking and I learn something. And hopefully somebody somewhere might listen to me talking and learn something as well. And I love that like I listen I think you probably do the same you know, listen to everything I listen to a lot of podcasts watch a lot of output and there isn't a day go by that you don't learn about something in racing and then the international just brings in a whole nother theme as well and yeah like we touched upon right at the start of the show bringing it back to the Breeders' Cup it's just a brilliant sort of Collaboration of form lines and international players at the highest level, and it's a meeting I love, and it's going to be great this weekend. <laughs> this has got me excited keep, about it.
0: I keep calling it the you know the the Super Bowl in horse racing. Now I have nothing to do with American football, but I know that that's a term that translates to everyone down here. So everyone I speak to, I'm like, it's the Super Bowl of horse racing. You have to watch. <laughs> nice, <laughs> so I'm yeah. very excited. You're right; it is the world championship everyone coming from across the globe uh, perhaps yeah. of course the australian contingent have got their own um, melbourne cup going on right now so it's not as much an attraction to them but the euros against the americans i i am all for it i mean i can't wait i know that we're co- comparatively if you're looking at of course you know you have the dirt races you can't stack it up like you would do at you know the cheltenham festival when they do the winners of the irish against the english yeah. And it's a proper matchup. We can't do that here because you'd have to just have the races just on turf. But I still think it is so cool. And there's so much like, fun, great rafflery going on. Oh, great in sport, turf races. You
1: guys win a turf race. It's like, oh, God damn it. That's ours for the taking. And yes. you, you know, if we ever win a dirt race, you like they must think the same. Like, what? No, that's our patch. And we own that, you know? But when there is a crossover, it just makes the storyline even better in a way. I think it Ellie- certainly
0: does. It certainly does. I'm definitely going to let you go now, V. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. I'm going back to the glamorous world of painting my house. So, you know, from talking about the best of the best in the world to getting a paintbrush out, it's that's, that's life now. I'm in lockdown, Naomi. <laughs>
0: oh gosh i feel like i'm i'm half glamorous here going i'm gonna scramble all my stuff together and run to the airport that's what i'm doing
1: you're off to the breeder's cup i'm off to paint a house for god's sakes come on now someone's winning here (laughs) someone's not (laughs) i'm (laughs) not
0: gonna argue with you on that one
1: i must go i must go it has been a joy thank you very much um and hopefully you'll have me back on soon and hopefully i made some valid points and yeah who knows hopefully the euros will have a few winners
0: Let's hope so indeed. Don't forget, these top selections are new mandate in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile on Future Stars Friday and Mogul in the Breeders' Cup Turf on Saturday. Keep your eyes peeled to the In The Money media feed as we are giving you all the latest throughout this week leading up to the 2020 Breeders' Cup. I'm heading off to Keenit myself in a few hours. Wish me luck.